Jim Vatu in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited <laughs> for him to be here. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you coming all the way from how long was the drive? Not long. It was an hour. An from hour? Westfield, Indiana. Well, there you go. I appreciate you taking the hour. So Yeah, man. It's been an honor uh, getting to know you and just uh, creating a connection through an introduction from a from a friend, mutual friend, and so. Pancake. What was it? The the flapjack house. Was that the where'd we end uh, up? Flapjacks in Lebanon. Lebanon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, shout out to flapjacks <laughs> for making this thing happen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, no. Originally, Adam Hayes. Adam Hayes was the guy. Adam uh, Hayes. Uh, yeah. Ad Rock, as I like to call him. So. Yeah. I need to get him on here. I don't know what we'll talk about, but I'm sure it'll be great. He's he's just one of the greatest guys and a lifelong friend. And we just met from a same same concept. I, I knew a guy that uh, kind of he didn't really take me under his wing, but he was a dude I looked up to when I was new in business. And he invited me to a networking thing. And his name is Jack Frisbee. And uh, we've just created a relationship over the last 20 years. And out of the blue, I mean, we hadn't talked spoken in like five years and out of the blue he gives me a an e-intro and says hey i got a guy that i think you would really connect with Mm -hmm. and it was adam and i mean within five minutes of us meeting we were just like talking about music and business and everything and uh and that now obviously brings this to fruition yeah absolutely i tell people you know treat treat people as if they're going to be in your life forever and plan for them to be gone tomorrow right so that way you don't have expectations for them you're not sitting here going what are you doing for me right but you're you're always open to reconnecting five years later or meeting at at flapjacks right so yeah that's great (laughs) hey we're we're talking about financial wellness today that's the that's your stick that's your that's your focus that's your goal in life and so i'd i'd love to get into a little bit of the meat and potatoes of of that but first i want to hear more about why why you right like why are you in this business what got you here kind of help us understand what made you somebody who wants to talk about financial wellness yeah um i mean i'm sure there's a thousand people that are smarter than me or better than me when it comes to to money and finance but i think i have a few things figured out and it really comes from growing up lower middle class latchkey kid parents were always gone and you know they didn't really give me a lot of instruction a lot of direction other than you know don't do drugs don't smoke don't drink uh which they did two of the three regularly (laughs) Uh, do what i say exactly and so uh i was you know my parents were really broke and they what they did have they didn't share with me so at 15 I got my first job and I really kind of became financially independent in my mind without a whole lot of thought. It was just out of necessity. If I wanted nice shoes, if I wanted nice jeans instead of the, you know, I mean, in high school, even back in the 80s, believe it or not, if you didn't have Nikes, you know, you were like an outcast. Yeah, right. So my dad gave me like 40 bucks and said, here, buy some shoes for the school year. And I'm like, I want you. Um, <laughs> JC Penny shoes are not an option, you know? So, uh, and so that I think really started planting the seeds and, and, you know, they say, if you see a, a video of a man running, you can't tell whether he's running to something or from something. Hmm. So I think early in life until I was probably 30, I was running from something, which is being broke. I didn't want to be like my parents, I always worried about money, arguing about money. So those were the seeds that were planted then. Yeah. And then they told me it was my destiny to, to be the first one to graduate college from my family. 
And my dad made it to his junior year. He was a master golfer. He was a IU on a golf scholarship, and he played head-to-head against Jack Nicholas. Uh, they played four times head-to-head, and my dad beat him twice. He was that good. Oh, wow. But then he got a girl pregnant his junior year, dropped out of college, and then worked 35 years in a factory and kind of missed his shot. And so I think he put that on me. It's like, you're going to be the one. But then my senior year, back to the money conversation, uh, they said, oh, I mean, I was making plans. I'm going to go to Purdue, Ball State, IU. I don't know. And Notre Dame wouldn't have me for sure, even though I'm from South Bend. <laughs> um, and they said, well, we don't have any money. So we thought the plan would be that you would stay in South Bend, work at your dad's factory, and go to night school at IUSB, which zero, that was not ever <laughs> uttered as part of my plan on seeking my fortune in the world. Sure. And so it was either be a guitarist in a heavy metal band, stay in South Bend, work at my dad's factory, or go into the military. And so because of economic reasons, money, I went into the military. Mm -hmm. A year later, got deployed to war, and I went from 18 to 21 in the Army, but I really went from 18 to 30 from a maturity Mm -hmm. standpoint and finding out that life is short and this isn't a dress rehearsal. So my best friend went to Purdue. And so uh, that's where I ended up. I applied for Purdue, and they said yes. And I, I drove straight from Fort Hood, Texas, the day I got out of the military, drove straight through without stopping to West Lafayette and started my journey there. Mm. And two years later, met the, my dream girl, and we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. And, uh, and so those, I think, were the seeds where, again, I was running from, so I was running from being broke and having alcoholic parents and just I was just trying to get as far away from that as possible yeah. and then once I got some mentors in my life around 30 and got the spiritual side of things figured out a little bit and had some business mentors then I started actually creating goals hmm. and one of the things that they first taught me was being a good steward of your money mm-hmm. and, and helping to understand that. And that's how I really got recruited into the financial industry is I wanted possibly to get out of retail management and I wanted a financial education. Like I'd gone through Purdue, love it, boiler up, hammer down, but they didn't teach me one thing about personal finance. <laughs> my military leaders didn't teach me one thing about personal finance. My parents surely didn't teach me anything. I mean, they taught me a lot of good lessons, but you know, they didn't teach me Spanish either. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they were bad people. They just aren't going to teach. Well, if they didn't have a handle on their own finances, they weren't going to teach me nuggets, you right. know. And so that's what attracted me to the business is that I figured I'm going to keep my day job. I was an executive in a retail company. And then I can learn personal finance at night to get a hold of and control of our own personal finances. Yeah. And the people around me had seemed to be happier. They had great marriages. They, they controlled their own schedule. They seemed mm-hmm. to be doing well. And I was just kind of on a daily basis, the scale in your mind, I was like, that looks way better than what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. So I came into the industry out of wanting a better lifestyle. But then because of the way that the, the, knowledge and understanding of personal finance started helping my wife and I and I was like okay I'm not good at sales I don't like salespeople. I never sold anything in my life I was introverted Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know what a mutual fund was I mean we had 12 grand of credit card debt 
But within a year and a half, we paid off 12 grand of credit card debt. We saved $10,000 in our emergency fund. And all I could think is like, man, the impact this made on me, mm. <clears throat> I think it would be kind of fun mm. to, to serve others and to teach them the same things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've found that for a lot of people, especially people who are very passionate about what they do, they have put themselves in a place to help their younger self, right? Like they've, sure. they've learned things throughout the years and they've said, this is so powerful. This helped me so much. I want to take the same thing and teach it to other people, yeah. right? That's where, that's why I am the way that I am. It sounds like that's yeah. something that kind of drove you. And I think that's what it drives a lot of people to get into passion. Yeah, things. that's a good point. I, I had, because I was so fearful of the sales aspect and mm -hmm. being perceived as trying to sell somebody mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. that, um, I literally would visualize my parents, were divorced when I was in fourth grade. I mean, it was just like, mm. I was clueless as a kid, skipping home one day on a sunny day from school. I didn't know there was a care in the world. Yeah. And then we get home, and my mom says, get your stuff, we're getting the heck up out of here. Mm. And it totally turned my life upside down. Yeah. And so my visualization to get over the fear when I was brand new is I said, if I could, I can't turn back the clock, but if I could, so if I sat down with, Lucas and his wife, I would visualize like I got to go back in time and meet with my parents. Mm. And if I could go back and do that and teach them these things, would they have remained married? Would my life been differently? Sure. And that was the thing that I put on the other end of the scale to help me overcome speaking to people or yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. so many people. I mean, there's not very many people who love sales. Like they like the idea of making someone yeah. else buy something. But when you say, if you sell this thing, this widget, this service, whatever, mm -hmm. you are going to help individuals through X, sure. and you care passionately about X. Well, then it's not about selling a thing. It's about it's about giving a value that's going to help that other individual, and it makes yeah. that a lot easier. I mean, that's tons of the work that I do when I'm helping people overcome that boundary of, of that sales process sure. is helping them see what is the value that you're actually giving. Right. Yeah. And, and you have to make money for your time or else you can't eat. And yeah. So, yeah so I could have used you as a trend. coach when I was brand new for sure, <laughs> because that was just a defensive reaction. Sure. Now I understand what a sales professional is. Yeah. It's just helping me people make decisions that are in their best interest. Correct. But at the time, I just, it was so nerve wracking and I was just so afraid. Mm. I think, again, growing up, not great self-esteem, you know, having parents that weren't there, I just had a lot of um, anxiety around that. Mm. And, I, and I put a lot of my uh, faith in what other people thought of me, mm -hmm. which is not a healthy place to be in sure. general. Sure. But surely when you're launching a business, that's, Correct. Like <laughs> yeah. dangerous yeah. ground because, you know, and so that's why I always oversteered to the educational aspect because mm -hmm. I, I thought if I could teach you the things that it would take to be successful financially, then a certain percentage of those people will be like, well, how do I do that? Correct. Well, okay, this is what we do. And that's when early on, that's how I, I mean, really to this day, that's how I get clients and help my clients. And that's served me well, but it was just a defensive mechanism it wasn't some well thought out business no plan. exactly yeah, yeah yeah yeah. but i've told people all the time like because because when you're talking to a coach there's almost always this undertone of like 
when are you going to start charging me for this? <laughs> right. And right. That's, I don't like that feeling because I sure. want to just talk to people and help them out. So I always tell people the information's free. I'll give you all the information that you want. Right. right? That's that's that to me is just my way of giving back to the world from being able to learn these things and being exposed to these sure. things and learning from other people. It's when you, you, when you ask me for my time and helping you like strategize going through this process and going with yes. you on the process, that's when, that's when it turns into a value trade, right? right. Like you're trading dollars for, uh, for ability to improve yourself. So that's, yeah. um, similar, right? But when you're trying to sell a service, that service being yourself, that can be a scary thing for a lot of people. Yeah. If you're, if you're with the right people, that, understanding that balance is already it's already understood correct like you and i have an understanding like a respect for each other's time mm -hmm. but that comes you know some people get that right away it took me years to really understand sure. that and and um appreciate that about other people so then if you get with the right people they they want to serve you they want to pay you for your time that that's they're like that's how it works yeah, yeah. if you get with other people they're you know, looking, cutting value. coupons yep. doesn't, doesn't work out that well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so fast forward to where you are today. I want to jump into the question of, you know, what is financial wellness to you? But first tell people what it is you do now as like your quote unquote J-O-B. Yeah. Uh, I fired my boss on March 24, 2002. So been this for about 21 years mm -hmm. and, and it's a really a combination of coaching and advising. Um, I, meet with families and I have a team of about 55 licensed reps in my office as well in Indy. And, uh, and we meet with families and we educate them and we coach them on, on being better stewards of their money. And then we help them get from point A to point B with some planning. And then, you know, we help them with, you know, contracting with companies to get them from point A to point B. Awesome. Whether awesome. it be debt management, budgeting, creating wealth, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Really cool. So obviously financial wellness is your space. So sure. one of the first questions I always ask people is how would you define financial wellness to a middle schooler? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think really wellness, there's a, I think of wellness, I think of peace. Okay. And what percentage of people have peace when it comes to their money? And if you ask a middle schooler, you know, they already know, right? Their parents might like act like their kids don't know, but their kids know if there's unhealth with their finances or marriage or anything like that. Sure. And so I think the opposite of, you know, peace is like anxiety. So when it comes to helping somebody understand wellness, it's like, is there a peace? Is there good feelings around whatever area? If that's your mm -hmm. physical fitness, you know? If that's your mental health, if that's your financial health, everybody kind of knows in general what that means. Yeah. And so all we try to do is find out where somebody's at and help them feel more comfortable and more at peace with the direction they're going when it comes to their money. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I use an app um, called it's called Think Up. It's a positive affirmation app. You record yourself saying things and then you play it back and it you know that's amazing brings peace. <clears throat> absolutely right. Okay. Some people I'm, see it. I'm a big it. affirmation. Oh, guy. absolutely right. The yeah. you build neuro pathways to 
to see gratitude more often. There's a lot of science behind it, but that's not for today. But yeah. one of the thing, one of my affirmations is every time I see money, banker bills, I'm thankful for my wealthy life. Mm. And so I don't think many people, when they open their electric bill, are like, oh, I'm so thankful for this. But one of the things I try to tell my clients is like, think about what your life would be like without electricity. Right. You would be extremely unhappy, right? Sure. So it's that changing of the, of the thought process behind when I see a bill, I'm anxious versus when I see a bill, I'm thankful, right? And exactly. that's a hard switch for a lot of people, especially when they're in a place where they can't be thankful because they're trying to survive, right? Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the models I use is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so sure. if you don't, these days, food, water, shelter, space really sounds more like gas bill, electric bill, furnace bill, like those types of things, grocery That's right. bill, That's right? right? Because we don't, we don't go hunt and gather and build our own shelters anymore. Sure. So it's all about bills, which is why we focus on money. It's why financial wellness is one of the eight dimensions of wellness. If, it, if we were farmers and all that, money wouldn't matter because Correct. we were making our yeah. own stuff. So I think that you, you hit it on the head in a lot of ways talking about how the difference between that thankfulness or that, that, um, that happiness towards our financial wellness. Like when I think about money, I'm, I don't yeah. freak out right. <laughs> versus when I think about money, I'm anxious about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I spent, I, I never really worried about money because I growing up figured it out on my own and started making money early on. So I always made more than my most of my friends because I didn't work at fast food places and mm -hmm. things like that. I was fortunate to work on a golf course and then worked my way up there in high school. Then I went into the military. So when all my friends were broke living the college life, I was you know getting paid in the military. And then coming out, I worked road construction in the summer times. And, and this was back you know 25 years ago. I was getting paid like 18 bucks an hour, and we were working. 70, 80 hours a week. So I was making like 10 or $12,000 in the summer. So mm -hmm. I had plenty of money. I was the richest person of my friends at college. Sure. And so I never had an anxiety around it. Mm. I just put my head down and worked and I took a lot of nonsense, but I knew what the end was. Like my goal was to graduate college. If this was a required step and I had to go get yelled at every single day for three months in the summertime to earn good money. I was fine with that because I got to leave. Yeah. Those folks had to stay there and that was a tough life. Correct. I yeah. mean, if I was married and had kids and had to be on the road doing construction and getting cursed out every day and have bills where I couldn't leave until the foreman to, you know, take a hike, <laughs> that would be, I would, that would be a stressful life, Correct. but I could get up out of there. And so I really never had a lot of anxiety when it come, came to finances, but I also didn't have a lot of control once you become an adult. Now you have a mortgage. I mean, I, I went through four years at Purdue, paid for 100% of my own, and graduated completely debt-free. And we never argued. I mean, we lived on, you know, let's be honest, lived on penny beers and ramen noodles and Grog's Pizza, throwback for those of you that remember Grog's Pizza. <laughs> and... Uh, then my wife and I get our first jobs and she becomes a teacher. I have a psychology degree. She got a teaching degree from Purdue, so she became a teacher. I got a psychology degree, so I became a well, psychologist, retail yeah. manager. That's right. <laughs> um, and so we were making pretty decent money in our, our mid-20s. And that's when we have our first argument about money. Sure. Because you get the, you know, the credit card 
with the zero percent introductory mm -hmm. and next thing you know and and i remember vividly because i had no concept of it i was just you know man it's my name in raised gold letters on this beautiful card i mean it, it was back in the 90s i know like people are like oh, it's a poly you no, that was the thing. Like you would walk across Purdue campus and the guy would say, hey, psst, come over here, kid. Hey, you must be a freshman. I was like, oh my gosh, how did you know? He's because it's like, it's homecoming weekend. Wisconsin's coming to town and you don't even have a Purdue shirt on. They're going to think you're from Wisconsin. You might get beat up before you go home. He goes, but I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. He goes, here is a Purdue t-shirt and here's a two liter of Coke. Ain't asking anything for you. Just put your signature right here. Wow. I was like, what am I, what am I signing for? He said, uh, it's a Big Ten, you know, uh, champion, uh, you know, Visa card. Yeah. I mean, the football, I mean, whatever, uh -huh. right? It was just unbelievable. I was like, no, 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 no. My mama told me I better not sign up for no credit cards. <laughs> no, 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 no. He goes, hey, well, all right, here's a win-win. I don't want you to get in trouble with your mom, but I also want to keep my job. So you sign here, you get the T-shirt and the two-liter, and when the credit card comes to your house, you just cut it up, bro. Win-win. Yeah. Just don't tell anybody I told you to do that. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, you're a genius. High five. <laughs> right? Now, when that thing comes in the mail, and you're 22 or whatever, I mean, I was in the military, so I was a little mm -hmm. older when I, my freshman year. Uh, I mean, it's the shiniest thing Ever, other than a gold bar, there's nothing shinier than a brand new credit card. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And you're like, I'm going to keep this in my wallet just in case. Rainy day. Of an emergency. Yep. <laughs> now, I won't, we won't go into detail about what an emergency is during March Madness at a Big Ten school, right? I can, I can picture. But it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's more of a want, not a need. Sure. Let's put it that Liquid way. emergency. That's right. And so that's <laughs> where it came. And so next thing you know, we have credit card debt and we have... Uh, she got a new car and I got a new car because we were driving beaters and then we got a house and what happens? We're making more, I mean, way more money than we even expected mm -hmm. and we have our first argument about money. Sure. Because you pay, you know, especially for those of you who understand credit card, you pay the minimum mm -hmm. or you pay above and beyond the minimum and the next statement back then, it said minimum amount due zero. We're like, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even cross my brain. I mean, it was just, we were that immature. Sure, what's the catch? And from an <laughs> from a understanding standpoint, that's when we had our first argument. And it, I always go back to that. It's like we never argued about money when we were broke, but once we got some and then got things, and these things required payments, and then we look and we're, we're laboring 50, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you look at your bank account and there's not as much as you expected, mm -hmm. then you're like, well, it must be... What did you, did you uh, buy one of those $22 <laughs> tube of lipsticks again, you know? Mm -hmm. And your wife, my wife was like, uh, it's probably the $500 guitar that you bought, yeah. you know, at the music center. And then you have your first argument about money. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So back to the wellness aspect of it, compared to most of our friends and family, we were doing great but we were like the healthiest patients in the hospital because yeah. we still had cracks in our foundation because we did the thing that everybody does, which is you spend up to your new income. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get a raise, what, what could we do? Yeah. It's not, it wasn't what could we save, save yeah. or what can we do to uh, protect our future? It was just sure. like, what things could we have? Sure. Right. You, yeah. I mean, you see that all the time with the, 
instant versus delayed gratification, right? Almost yes. every every kid took the one marshmallow instead of waiting for the second one, that's right? right? And that's that's a that's a limitation of our of our you know less evolved mind where you you take the thing that's in front of you because you don't necessarily know what's coming, what the future can hold, right? right. And that's really good if you're trying to survive, but in a world yeah. where you can think ahead, when we have a giant prefrontal cortex that you have the capacity to plan for the future and to think about what's coming down the pike. But 100%. That, that, that lack, that, that focus on instant gratification, I think, makes a lot of people struggle in a lot of things, their physical wellness, their financial wellness, their occupational wellness. I'm gonna, yeah. take, the, I'm gonna take the promotion here because I don't know if I try to get a different job, even That's though right. I don't really like it here, I'll, at least yeah. it's a promotion, I'll get a couple more bucks, which means I can spend a, a little bit more. Um, that, that can really put us in a hole. So you, so you talked about, I don't think your story is necessarily um, unique in terms of people going down that hole, right? I get more money and therefore I, yeah. I spend more money than I have, right? Uh, what you spent it on, guitars and lipstick, might be a little different, but. Uh, <laughs> That's just an example. The guitar is real. <laughs> the, I was gonna say, my I bet wife, the guitar is low real. maintenance. Yeah, it's mine too, we're it blessed. It was my ego, yeah. trying to throw it back. Sure, I have I have been there a time or two. I hope my wife isn't listening to this one, but she's, she's nodding her head right now. But when you think of the people that you work with, right? We mm -hmm. talk a little bit about this concept of sickness versus fitness. When you sure. think about the people that you're working with, or at least originally, where would you say they fall on that spectrum between sickness and fitness yeah. when you first start working with them? Well, what I realized early on is that about 15% of the population is in poverty, mm -hmm. okay? About 5% is actually wealthy. Mm -hmm. So the wealthy people had wealth advisors that would literally stand in line to buy them a steak dinner to become friends with them for the hopes sure. that they could become a client one day. The 15% are not living the dream, but they can lean into the government and the support there, right? But the 80% in the middle, those folks don't qualify for either one. Mm. So when I was getting into business, I really found a passion for helping those folks. Like that's my passion and that's my biggest competitive advantage because there's nobody trying to help middle-income families and that's a pretty big range sure. from a single mom living off 35 40 grand to a family making a combined 150 or 200 grand but those are all kind of middle income yeah and most of those folks are the same like the number one thing even with there was a major university here in central indiana that has a business school that's highly regarded. <laughs> and we interviewed about 100 of them in an auditorium. Uh, and we asked how many of you, now this, they're graduating from the School of Finance. Mm -hmm. How many of you know the rule of 72? There was one person that raised their hand. And we asked, how did you learn about it? They said, well, I went to your website to do a little research before you guys visited. <laughs> so. <laughs> Again, no dig on the major universities, but I'm saying people are coming out, even if they're good at making money, sure. they have not been taught the principles of what to do with their money. Sure. So most of the people that I'm meeting with are, I mean, they're blank canvases for the most part. You know, that's why I start with education because I just got to assess where they're at. You know, we need to assess where they're at with their money intelligence and their understanding of personal finance. Some people are doing pretty well, but 
even if they're doing well, a lot of times they've never had anybody tell them they're doing well. Mm. So they don't know what they're doing. And, and even more, they don't know what they're doing well to keep them going forward. Right? Yeah. So how do I get to the next? Goal? I mean, one of my biggest testimonies is I met with a family through a referral of a referral. Uh, in my 21 years, it's the family that had it most together of anybody still I've met with today. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, he was a fortunate, he worked at a big uh, company that had a pension still, one of the last of the Mohicans. And he was saving a bunch of money in his 401k. And his, their retirement, boom, they're on track. Yeah. They had like four kids. They had saved from when the kids were born, so they had money for college. They had maybe like four years left on their mortgage, and they're probably in their eh, early 50s. Mm-hmm. So I did the plan for them. We literally gave them a green check mark in every area of their life. And I said, I can't. There's nothing for me to do. I can't mm. help you. You're doing everything. You've d- and they looked at each other, and they, they said, we've never had anybody do that. They were so grateful even that I didn't try to sell them something and that I affirmed that they're, they got it. They're going to retire. <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, they've done everything they were supposed to do, that they ended up giving me 11 referrals. Mm mostly to like people in their church. And that 11, list of 11 referrals, that lasted like six or seven years of refer, that referral chain yeah. of me helping families from a family that didn't do business with me. Yeah. Just because I told them, well done, yeah. high five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd never been told that. To somebody that, you know, the other end of the spectrum, they, you don't have to tell somebody if they're not doing well financially. It's, they yeah. kind of already know. They, they feel it, yeah. So they don't need to be told again. So what you have to do on that side of things is just come alongside and, again, on a scale of 1 to 10, if 10 was the highest, how would you rate your desire to become debt-free and financially independent? And just let them answer. I mean, everybody answers the same. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody wants to be healthy, mm-hmm. wealthy, mm-hmm. the whole deal. All now, healthies, yeah. if they're willing to pay the price, that's a different Sure. Right. But so it it runs a pretty wide range of somebody that's just kind of living check to check, single mom to a family that's doing pretty well that just needs somebody to kind of come alongside and make sure on paper they know what they're doing today is going to get them to the goal tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so obviously there's a wide gamut of individuals in a lot of different places financially that you yeah. talked about. Right. And it's, it, it can be challenging sometimes because a lot of this is really just perspective, right? Like, do I feel like I have enough money to sure. do the things that I want to do? Do I, yeah. do I have enough income coming in versus going out? Right. So some of it is psychological in terms of like uh, uh, Rick Davis, who we had on, uh, you said you listened to him a little bit. Yeah. You talked it was about an amazing the book. podcast. Yeah. The psychology yeah. of money, the book. Sure. Right. And so yeah. a lot of this is just simply, do I feel like I'm supported enough to be able to afford the things I need to live the life that I want to live, right? And that can be different for everybody. However, I have found that there are certain aspects of our wellness or our financial wellness that are just, that are point blank, like this is a metric that would determine whether or not. So you think about, um, 
physical wellness, right? If my heart rate at rest is, mm. is this, right? If, mm-hmm. if it's a hundred at rest, yeah. there's a problem, <laughs> right? So right. regardless of whether or not you want to be an Olympic level athlete, or you just want to be able to get off the couch and enjoy time with your grandkids. Sure. That's, that's a metric, right? So, so when you think of people who are maybe toward the, the lower end of that spectrum, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, living check to check, right? That's right. a, that's a kind of a key attribute of mm-hmm. being financially uneasy. What are some of the things that you have found for those types of people that are happening in their life? What are some of those indicators? Like we're not quite where we want to be. Like what what have you seen? I mean, the number one reason why people are not on track to retire, which is the, the underlying stress is they are going to a job that they may or may not love Mm. and they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. They're mm. like, I'm gonna literally have to do this until I mm-hmm. keel over. So if you know that, even though you, we have, we have defense mechanisms as humans, <laughs> where you're going through the motions, yeah. right? And you may not dislike everything about your job, but if you had your choice, right? Sure. And so that creates an underlying baseline of stress because you're doing something that if it was your, up to you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be doing. Sure. And so debt is the number one Thing. So like debt to income ratio is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, but most people don't measure that. They just feel it. Yeah. They go, well, I don't make enough. Correct. Or whatever. So they they know what the yeah. is, but they, they have it. never had anybody just kind of sit down and put it on paper yeah. and go, hey, did did you know this? Yeah. Well, like you, you, if you're feeling stressed, do you understand like if I was in your shoes, 100%, yeah. I would feel stressed. And here's why is because, so it really comes down to we, I mean, you can try to divvy up a pot pie to feed a family of four, but it doesn't work. It doesn't so sometimes it's even just kind of going like, have you ever thought about the possibility of making more money to get you closer to your goals and dreams? Sure. Which they have driving to work in yep. rush hour traffic, but never had anybody ask them the question or put together a plan. So even if, even if I sit down with the family and they're, they're living check to check and I can do certain things to help them, right? But if they're debt to income, right, that, that's not gonna be a quick fix, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes it's just saying, hey, have you even explored other opportunities to make more money or what, it, what is your plan? What would you like to do? So I could even talk to them a little bit about their career, they don't have to work with me or anything like that, sure. but it's like just having the conversation and be more of a coach for a second instead of a financial guy, yeah. I think is a, is a measure too that we kind of going to look at that debt to income ratio and what underlying things they can do to change that as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You, you brought up a really good point. Like most people don't know how to articulate the pains that they're going through. Right. So you Mm -hmm. saw, you talked about your debt to income ratio. They don't really stop and think what, what's the problem, but they do know the feeling. And we say it in terms of check to check, right? Well, you're living check to check because you're barely making enough to make the payments on your debt. And so your debt's still accumulating. It's still increasing. And so you call it, you know, the, the person might feel check to check, but we understand it because we're outside of it a little bit. And that's really what a coach is. That's right. is we're outside of the tangled mess of your life. And so we have a chance to, to look mm-hmm. at it from a different angle. 
And so you can, as a coach, you can give them a little bit more perspective to that. And you talked about taking a moment to just say, okay, we're not in traffic right now. We're not driving to the job. We hate being mad at everybody around us. Let's take a step back and let's ask the questions. What would it look like if you made more money than yeah. what you currently make? What does it look like if you're doing things that you love versus what you don't love? What are those things? Um, our good friend Adam Hayes talked about, yeah. um, I told him a little bit about moment of management, my company, and sure. what we do. And he's like, yeah, you make pattern disruptors, right? You, you, you yeah. create an experience where people can go to stop everything for a second and just ask themselves, what if? What mm-hmm. if this looked different? And that's kind of what you're talking about. You're, you're that that moment of disruption where people stop what they're doing. They stop the monkey mind for a second. And right. They ask themselves, what could this look like if things were different? Yeah. Um, and that's a huge aspect of trying to get them from where they are to where they want to be. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I met um, probably a year ago with a family that was, they were making th- about 300 grand in income. Mm-hmm they had $100,000 in credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Another 200 in a mortgage. They were living just above check to check. Like if you took a person that's making 40 grand and say, hey, we're gonna increase your income by 260 grand. Yeah, they'd ball, ball their eyes out. Like won the lottery but then here you have a person that started pretty humbly and now they're making really good money but they had poor habits Mm. (laughs) going into it now but because they had the raw material coming in it literally just took a conversation and saying that out loud to them to them to go whoa (laughs) within four months they had paid off $60,000 of debt Mm -hmm. like it's an amazing testament. They just literally needed somebody to stop, slow down, <laughs> stop. Yeah. Let's have this conversation. Yeah. And do you see what, and they were like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, you know, so it's just one of my greatest stories because it was just literally having them stop, slow down, and just having the conversation, just like with health, when they say, like, listen to your body, mm-hmm. who takes the time? Yeah. to listen to your body yeah uh but just having the conversation like you do as a coach Mm -hmm. slowing the business owner down and saying okay now that nobody's nobody's looking what are your real goals and dreams like what do you want your life to do what are your what is the you know i want to play golf and make a hundred grand great let's put that plan together if that's what you want and so sometimes like you're saying with the pattern pattern disruptor the pattern disruption is stopping yeah. and talking to a person that doesn't know them mm-hmm. intimately sure. that they can kind of let the guard down and actually have just a real conversation about money and kind of reflect themselves. And like, I'm not going to be here. Like, I'm, if I spend an hour with you, Lucas, you're going to spend 23 hours with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to win. Yeah, if exactly. That's good habits, bad habits, whatever. You're going to. Win. I can't Correct. influence you yep. more than you influence you. Mm-hmm. But if I can get you to shift a little bit, see things from a little different perspective, then I can maybe rent a little space in your brain when I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, 
And that's you, you bring up, you know, I've told you about my purpose statement. I've probably said it enough times on this, yeah, but one of the things is space, right? Creating the space for people. And when I tell space. people that, they're like, space, what do you mean? Mostly it's mental space. Yeah. It's, it's taking everything that's bouncing around and just creating this one little bubble where we can go inside and we can say, hey, what's going on? What do, you, what, what do you really want right now, yeah. right? Let's get rid of the expectations from your parents. Let's get rid of the expectations from your spouse. Let's get rid of the thoughts you have about what success looks like yeah. and ask yourself, mm -hmm. what does success feel like, right? And I bet yeah. you it doesn't feel like I make $300,000 right. and I don't know like I don't know what my future yeah. looks like, right? I mean, they, they've launched an entire business on an app to get you to pause for five minutes. Mm -hmm and do nothing correct yeah. that's a business yeah because our pattern is to be busy yeah so literally a pattern disruption is to just take a few minutes and not be busy and think about some of your goals and they're successful ambitious adults if they're going if they look if you're raising a family if you're paying a mortgage and paying bills and and doing it and surviving in America right now, that's a big dadgum deal. Yeah. Like that means way. that you are a hard worker, you are goal driven, you know, like the rest of us, you know, maybe you're not as focused or whatever, but you're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so which means that I don't really have to do a lot. I just have to get you to stop and think about this just for a minute. Nobody likes to talk about personal finance because again, there's a lot of pain around that mm -hmm. or a lot of- A lot of ego. Ego, pain, um, just ugh, just this feeling of because they know like they're scared it's you know my mother-in-law and and my wife had a conversation this weekend because you know she's got her, her mother-in-law has some diabetes issues and it came out that she just stopped taking her medication sure and they're like what like that doesn't make any sense yeah. well a facebook ad popped up and said this medication maybe not be good for you and she's like that's that's an ad, that wasn't a doctor, that wasn't like a yeah. report. So she stopped taking her medication because of yep. a Facebook yeah. pop-up ad. Yeah. And she just had the conversation with her and it's like, I'm on the same medication you are because it's kind of a genetic thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that I would knowingly take medication? So she had to pull up like this medical journal report on the medication and she's like, yeah, yeah I'm doing it and it's actually good for you. And she was like, okay, the next day she took her medication. Yeah. So it literally could just be like, my point is, if you just tell people what to do and get them to reflect on what they're doing, they'll do the work. They're already doing the work. They're willing to do the work. So if you say, hey, if you could just do the work and point them in this direction, sure. they're already running. They're already doing the work. It's, it's quite easy yeah. once you get coachable people, as yeah. you know. It's almost like the cartoon <laughs> where they they pick up the little running character right <laughs> and then they just turn it it's and then it just goes right, right? Exactly. yeah because right. we're so we're so yeah. good at being human doers we're very mm -hmm. very bad at being human beings right? that's right <laughs> yeah so, uh that's awesome so so we talked you, you touched on 
the check-to-check uh, -check kind of concept, the debt-to-income ratio, which we feel is the check-to-check -check kind of mentality. We're going to go right. back to, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody is skipping ahead to the, t the point where you talk about the 72 rule, and we're going to talk yeah. about that towards yeah. the end. So that'll be the cliffhanger. Sure. So people uh, will stick around. Uh, but what are some of the other things that are happening in people's financial life? So obviously, you know, there's stress and things involved with that, but that's yeah. a little bit more the emotional response to the financial yeah. limitations. What yeah. are some of the more of the financial limitations that you're finding with clients who aren't, who aren't quote unquote, making it in their world? Yeah, I, I mean, it really comes down to people are for sure overspending, mm -hmm. you know, that, and again, they're pulled that way. You could, whatever, I, I don't, I'm not a victim mentality, but the reality is if you and I weren't as intentional as we are, it's easy to get sucked into the world and things. Yeah. And I live in the wealthiest county in the state and the big houses, the cars, all of that stuff, yeah. because I've been on the inside, I know it's all a facade. Sure. I mean, they're one downsizing away from mm. putting that house up for sale, mm -hmm. right? And so I think overspending is a big deal. Um, just, you know, I, one of my taglines is I help people tell their money where to go instead of ask it where it went. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, debt is a big issue. Not telling your money where to go or paying yourself first, yep. you know, and paying everybody else and saying at the end of the a month that there's not anything there. And then I, I really, I'm, I'm lazy. Okay. How many of you are lazy, right? The rest of you are too lazy to raise your hands. Okay. So <laughs> I like to, there was an old, uh, I think it was, I don't even know, 80s or 90s, about a, some infomercial was like, set it and forget it. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah I don't even remember. I don't what remember what the item was, but I love the tagline. But people are busy. Uh -huh. If we can just get them to intentionally map out goals, whether it be retirement or debt, I like to the end start with the end in mind, right? Sure. That's from a famous book. Mm -hmm. from, from a financial perspective, from financial wellness. Sure. There is today, but most people, they want to have, they're, they're working towards a goal in the future. Yeah. So if we help them set that goal mm -hmm. and then we just assess how far away are they from that goal, then I just go to look f to remove obstacles. Yeah. It could be budgeting. It could be Starbucks, right? That's keeping them from that goal. <laughs> hey, easy. It now. could be. Let's not talk about no. getting rid of the coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I used to call it five bucks, but really it's now six bucks. Oh okay. my gosh, right. Um, and so, oh yeah, with the rule of 72, you can actually calculate how much Starbucks will be. I will have this joke, like I can tell Lucas and his wife, like when they reach the goal and this is the day they retire and they get up the next morning with no responsibilities and they're gonna go and have their first date as retirees at Starbucks. Dreams. I'm gonna tell them, how much it's going to be to go on a date in Starbucks in like 30 years or whatever, 20 <laughs> years. It's, that's why you need a lot of money. Right? There you but, go. but if you start at the end of mind and then you just kind of remove obstacles. So again, not knowing and having a mapped out goal in the future mm -hmm. is problematic. Yes. Because now you're just, again, back to the running, 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 hoping, wishing, praying that one day it will all stop. Yeah. So the matrix that we measure is like, okay, what do you need to get to the goal? And then what obstacles yeah. are in the way. And yeah. it could be debt. It could be spending habits and budgeting. 
It could be being on the same page. No. Yeah. Right? So that's, you know, n that's the thing that nobody likes to talk about. Because if the number one cause of divorce is financial stress in America, and it, I think they said 50%, but I think it's creeping yeah. higher than that now. Yeah then that's a big deal. So like just being on the same page and even sometimes having two people sit, that could be an obstacle. You know, what are, what are the habits? What are the things they're doing? It's not necessarily just with dollars. It's back to what you're talking about, which is the mindset and sometimes just sitting down and having the conversation. Cause I've had, a, I mean, I'm a very optimistic person. Mm -hmm. So I've had this happen more times than not. So if I can give you a business nugget, I'm sure you all know this. Anything you want to do from a business perspective that involves two people, if any one of them says, hey, no problem, I'm the decision maker in this situation, Ooh. my wife doesn't need to be involved, Ooh. my husband doesn't need to be involved, I believed that for many years in business. I mean, over and over again, because I'm like, I do what I say I'm going to do for the most part. Mm -hmm. That's how I live my life. Sure. I just, no. That, that means there's a 100% guarantee that you are not on the same page and that's right. why you don't want to involve the other person Correct. in the conversation. Yeah. And I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. Uh, by oh man, I math this out and Lucas like, dude, this is unbelievable. This is the best thing I've ever heard, man. Let me just go run it by the wife and we'll get back next week. Well, they went into the witness protection program, never to be heard from again. <laughs> right. So when you're talking about the habits and the, the, things that they're doing or not doing sometimes it's just even having common goals and, yeah. and sitting down and having that conversation absolutely that's a, a that's such a, a big trouble but when you when you're creating it's not as technical the answers you maybe ask for <laughs> but it's the truth well when when you're talking about finances you're you're talking about providing for your family very rarely are you just talking about doing it for yourself right like mm -hmm. if you're if you're the type of person who loves and wants to be loved, you're creating a social relationship, right? Social yeah. wellness, right? And so if you're doing that, you're usually doing that within your family, with your wife, with your kids. And mm -hmm. so they become a part of that conversation, right? And, sure. and if you're saying, let me run it past the wife, that's a great thing. Or it means that you need to check because you're not 100% sure or you're using it as an excuse. I've heard it before, right? But I've also right. had people try to sell me on a on some sort of service or thing and i'd say you know let me talk to my wife about it because it was a huge chunk of money and i wanted to make sure she was on, on board right. with it and they're like well you know i understand let me ask you this do you blah 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 and i just that but shut me down they'll have their over you know objection over you know objection buster but yeah really exactly it's, yeah. it's like well if if you don't think i'm the type of person that needs to talk to my wife about it like i don't care about her input then you don't yeah. know me very well and if you don't know mm -hmm. me very well and you're trying to use this as a way to get like that doesn't sit well with me no. so i think there's a huge aspect of that that conversation and that communication behind what are our goals because you we talked a little bit about it is what you're really asking is if, if I'm trying to get on the same page with my wife or my spouse, what you're really asking is what does happiness look like for both of you? Because that's what money is. It's our, it's our means by which we can afford the things we want to live a fulfilling life. And happiness is probably not the word I use. I usually right. use fulfillment, but that's what you're asking. What does fulfilling look like to you? Fulfilling to my wife, very different than fulfilling to me. Right. Sure. And so 
that's the conversation. That's why it becomes so hard because there's so much baggage behind that, right? Like yeah. what does fulfillment look like? Well, I came from a house where we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't talk about money very much. And so we, we just had money, but also we couldn't go to McDonald's because we have food at home, right? What does that really <clears throat> right. mean? We're not going to pay for, well, yeah. nowadays I'm like, well, thank you for not going to McDonald's all the time. But yeah, but that could have been a sign that your parents were good stewards of money or that could have been a sign that they were, I mean, they never explained probably Correct. like mine. Yeah, exactly. So you get out of, I get out of college and I'm like, oh, I have to pay all this this stuff back. That sucks. Right. <laughs> right. Well, they, they pay for some of my college. So that was yeah. a blessing. But the point is, is like, you don't have that means by which you can communicate those things. So you, my idea of fulfillment, it looks very different than what my wife's does. And until we have a conversation of what does fulfillment look like for us mm -hmm. and what's the bill yeah. <laughs> for that fulfillment, yeah. you're not going to be able to come to the same terms. Yeah. And that's a huge aspect of, again, why people get divorced or why, why relationships succeed. Right. Let's talk about that aspect. But the it. things to measure, again, back to the original conversation is debt to income ratio, mm -hmm. what your financial independence number is, which is the exact amount of money that somebody needs to retire. Mm. Most people have never had that measured. Yeah. So if you ask the average person, if we went out here on the street with a clipboard and did a survey, would you like to be retired and financially independent? I mean, I don't think too many people would say no. no exactly. How many dollars, we should maybe do this for a future podcast. Please. How many dollars would it take for you to be free? Yeah. To quote unquote retire. Zero percent chance somebody's going to be able to answer that. I mean, some people might. Yeah. I mean, right? You might maybe. You, you probably do. Nope. You have a rig. <laughs> well, but, but I'm also an outlier. I don't want to retire. I never Yeah, well, I get it. But there's <laughs> still a number that you would work because you want to, not because you have to. Correct. And there's so the difference. Right? I, it's a conversation I do have. It's like. When I say retire, I mean be financial. That's why I say financial independence Yes. versus retire. Because my generation, and you're probably similar, retirement was, you know, drinking lemonade on the rocking chair in the front porch waiting to die or getting a golf cart or whatever. <laughs> and it wasn't very appealing. Yes. I didn't no. see my grandparents. They didn't look like they were having an awesome time. No. there's there, And there's a whole nother conversation. About so I don't re use retirement, retirement a lot. Yeah. I just do if I think that's a word that people Correct. will comprehend. But I use financial independence. So I then yeah. we create your financial independence number. Some people may like a million bucks, 500,000. They don't know. So the first thing we measure, let's just... Let's just play a game. Okay. So if you live in Lafayette? I do. All right. So in today's, today is the day you turn 65. I love it. And you're completely debt-free and you're an empty nester. Yep. No mortgage, no debt. Correct. What do you think you would need coming in today's dollars in order to live an okay standard of living? Mm. And then somebody says five grand mm -hmm. let's say i mean because we're in lafayette sure if you had no debt sure. no bills and you had five grand coming in every single month yeah. i mean you're able to mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. some things right yeah so okay well you're 24 way years away from the deal mm -hmm. so i just put it into our software program and it says well in 24 years five grand a month is 10 grand a month mm -hmm. so and then it just it says okay then you need 1.5 million well, just go ahead and scare everybody to death. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I knew I knew I didn't want to meet with you. you you're going to tell me bad news. Correct. Exactly. But then again, back to the compound interest, the rule of 72, if we say, okay, well, that's 
$572 a month yeah. and your wife's working and she has a 401k and they match and you're an entrepreneur or you work at Purdue and then you're making, then we go, okay, well, you're, pardon, we're, you're saving 400 bucks a month mm-hmm. and the number is 570. Yeah. So now we're 170 bucks a month away from you having 1.5 million. Correct. So what, where's the 170? Mm-hmm. Let's go in a forensic search yeah and it's the this is where i don't have a lot of my wife knows this my team probably knows this i don't have a lot of original thoughts most people don't i'm good at copying sure which is the thing they tell you not to do through your whole yeah except their seven scholastic career seven billion people on this yeah when you find out as an adult as a business owner you go ooh, that's why people write books they're like please copy me right yes exactly um I created maybe just a couple original ideas in in my career. Mm -hmm. And one was out of pure desperation where I had a a single mom that needed, I mean, she was on the lower, like no emergency fund, no life insurance. Like if something were to happen to her and she was living check to check, like it would have been bad for her three kids, like worse. And so I was, it's such a loss. It was just like a moment inspired by God. I think it, I said, okay, you do this. She's like, I need all of this. I want to do what you're telling me to do, but I just don't have enough money, Jim. Yeah. I'm thankful for what you're teaching me to do, but it ain't happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. I said, go home and do this. I said, this is back in the days where you actually had paper statements that came to your house instead of electronic, which sure. is not that long ago. Yes. No. Right. I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, and so I said, just go through one month and I want you to put a W next to every single thing that's a want and then an N next to every, I I want you to go through every single, because we were using debit cards still at that time, but getting paper statements. So I want you to put a W next to wants and an N next to needs. And I want you to do that for one month. And then I want you to go back another 30 days and I want you to do it again. And I want you to average the W's, the wants. I said, if you can look me in the eye and say that you're not blowing a couple hundred bucks a month, that we can at least begin with some baby steps towards your goals, then I, I mean, I'll buy you lunch and you can say, I told you so. Yep. How's that? Great. Let's shake on it. We made like two, three days later, she came in and her first words to me were, Jim, I'm going to be honest right now. I don't like you very much, <laughs> which is, by the way, for those of you in coaching, like that's, we love to hear that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Personal trainers know exactly what you're talking Correct. about, right? Yeah. Uh, she said, I would have put my hand on a stack of Bibles and says, there's no, I don't have not one dime, man. It's I'm stretched as thin mm-hmm. as you can get. She said, I found that I'm blowing 350 bucks a month on stuff. Yeah. So, my point is the financial independence number, we just break it down into the smallest little steps. And then we look at maybe it's budgeting, i.e. I call that the debit card challenge, by the way. Mm. Trademark, not really. But it's called the debit card challenge. I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times now for families because it works so well that day. And debt, it's usually, it's just debt and budgeting for the most part. It would keep people from that goal. So then we, again, we look at the debt to income ratio and where's your debt at, and then we help them create a debt freedom date. 
Same thing with working towards retirement. You're running, running, running. Are you on track? I hope so. Yeah. Well, we do the same thing with debt. Even if you go through, you know, a financial piece, there's most people, I mean, they have a yellow pad of paper. All of us have done that and try to map out our budget, right? But do you know the day you'll be debt? You know which debt to pay next if you're doing the debt snowball, the debt stacking. But do you know the day you'll be debt free? Because what the human brain, you know, it's, uh, I forgot the quote exactly, but it's like when a, when a Olympic athlete or a high performer is going above and beyond, the brain asks, why must I endure this? Mm-hmm. The high performer has an immediate answer, whereas the average person doesn't. Correct. The brain says, why must I endure this? The average person is like, I don't know. Colts and game's on. Yep. <laughs> okay, but the high performer goes, because we want to be a champion, because I've got goals and dreams, because we want to better, better. They have an immediate answer, and their brain goes, oh, okay, I was just checking. Yep. And then it will continue, okay. right? So it's the same thing with, with personal finance and, and the goals and dreams, right? If we map that out, you just need to know why you're doing it. And when it comes to debt, if I show that that family I was referring to earlier, I showed them how to go from being in debt. They were going to be in debt 100 years with $100,000 of credit card debt. Like if they were making the payments they were making, it would yeah. be the year like 21 mm-hmm. and some change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I said if you do the debt stacking, because they had great income and because they had a lot of debt, which means if you do a debt stacking with a lot of debt, it's really impactful. They were going to be debt-free, including everything, in like 14 years. Yeah. That was enough. And we put that on paper. If you do X, then you get Y. Here's the reward. It's not just the grind because your brain needs a reward. It needs to know why it's doing. So we, yeah. we measure the progress towards the debt by saying, if you do this, then you get this, and that was enough to get them moving where they wiped out like 60 grand in just a matter of a few months because mm-hmm. they saw, ooh, if we do this, we'll be, because they had like four or five kids, I think four kids. So they were totally panicked about college because they're just making enough to service their debt. Yeah. But if they could be debt-free in 14 years, then their disposable income that was going towards debt could go to pay for their kids' college, which was in their heart. They wanted to do, but they saw no possibility of that happening yeah but they if they were debt free and they wiped out 300 grand of debt yeah they would have the income that was servicing the debt to pay for their kids college and that was enough to measure that and tell them what the reward was going to be so i work on the basis of of that is just measuring it and what is the reward the reward on retirement is you're going to be free Mm -hmm. so what are you going to do the first day you know what I'm saying? And have them visualize that. Like you're talking about affirmations, like visualization is super powerful, right? Yeah. And what are you going to do the first day? What are you going to visit? I mean, right? Same thing, debt-free. How would it feel? How would it feel? Like I asked the question, uh, when you were a little kid, how did you go to the mailbox? I walked to it. Not likely. If you were a little kid, you sprinted to the mailbox so much. Your, your parents were like, you better look both ways before you cross. Because they yeah. know like a kid going to the mailbox, they ain't looking for cars. They're going to get run over on the way to the mailbox, right? Yeah, yeah correct. Slow down. Look both, look both ways five times before you cross the road to get to the mailbox. Because why? Because there's a positive 
association with the mailbox. There was always going to be a something or a toy or I remember like the JC Penny thing where I could look mm -hmm. at the dirt bikes and all that stuff or maybe the birthday card that grandma was going to put money and there was a positive association yeah. with mail. Now as an adult, I say what is picture somebody walking to their mailbox as an adult. What does that look like? Yeah, a lot different. <laughs> Head down, <laughs> yeah. shoulders slumped, slinking along because why? Because they know what's awaiting them. And it's never positive. It's right. It's yeah. bills. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just say, how would it be to walk to the mailbox to know that there are no more envelopes with little windows on them? <laughs> and you know what happened? Like people immediately yeah. set up and they, man, that would be. Yeah. All right. It's going to be hard work. But what if that was possible? What if they that one day that could be what it looks like sure and that's sometimes just enough to again pattern interruption yeah. get them thinking positively towards a specific goal and then just tell them what it takes to get there sure they did a this this brings me back to a study that i read about about uh people's willingness to change if they understand that there's a controllable outcome involved Right. And so mm. when you think about finances, a lot of times psychologically, we don't feel like there's a way out. We don't feel like we have yeah. control over it. We the, we're always going to be here. The bills are always going to keep coming in. There's sure. no end in sight. And so they did a study about people's attitudes and actions as a result of a controllable versus an uncontrollable outcome. And basically what they did was they um, they would turn on a really loud noise. Right. And so and they had a people had a button in front of them and if you one group was a controllable that they didn't get any noise one of them was a if i push the button the noise stops and the other one was if i push the button nothing happens it, it, whether i push the button or not doesn't matter right so i had absolutely no control over this mm. situation and what they found was is that when they went to they they put them in another situation where a loud noise was happening and they found that if they put their hand in a box and the loud noise happened then they would attempt to move their hand away to sure. stop the, the loud noise from happening right so the, it was just this basic construct of if i know that there's an outcome that i can control then i'll do something the people who did not have any control over the loud noise didn't move at all they didn't make an action they didn't even try right wow. they they just sat there and took it because what's the point of even trying, right? Right. Yeah. Same situation you're talking about here. If I have, if I don't feel like I have any control over the outcome, then I'm not, I'm very little chance that I'm gonna make any action towards progress, right? Yeah. Until you show them that there's a way for them to change their outcome, to change their life, then people are just gonna stay with what, the, what they know because it's comfortable, right? Sure. I'd rather have a thorn in my shoe and it hurt a little now then climb that mountain and maybe there's a pair of tweezers at the top <laughs> that's right <laughs> right it's so, weird it's just how we're built yeah you know i mean the, what you're talking about is like the how they train the elephants you know when they're little put the rope around put a stake in the ground and they can't move yeah or they can't you know just the circumference of the rope and and then when they're adults they have the same rope yeah, like exactly. that's most people when it yep. comes to sometimes their careers or their finances, their health, they, they feel helpless, yeah. like what you're saying, and and they don't feel like taking any specific action is going to make a difference. So sure. what's the point? Sure. Mm. But the power comes from, and this is the whole reason we're having these interviews, right, is 
what are the ways that we can measure where you're at and even more specifically measure where you want to be with the yeah. outcome in mind, right? Sure. We, use a, we use a software in my family called MoneyMax, um, which does exactly what you're talking about. I work with my financial coach. We set this whole thing up and it will literally tell us the day that our debt goes away. And That's you amazing. better believe, and I spend money like there's no tomorrow. I, <laughs> I am not a great client, but I am very goal oriented. And yes. so you show me March 23rd, 2000, whatever, yeah. it's going to be the day my debt goes. You can better believe every single week we're looking at that number and I'm going, did I knock it off a little bit? Is there a little bit less, right? Yeah. I'm going to stop spending money on five bucks so that I can actually yeah. focus on that dropping that number down. And so I have hope. And if I have hope, I'm much more willing to try it. And going back to your yeah. comment of like having the why, huge, huge endorser. Simon Sinek, start with why. Simon Sinek, find sure. your why. But in this whole the, the construct of the eight dimensions of wellness that I work with with my clients and the focus that I have on them improving all of their well-being but the main thing that we don't talk about but has to underlie everything is why why would I improve all of my well-being what's mm -hmm. the point of having more like working out really hard and having more energy so I can go to a job that I hate no yeah. <laughs> what was the point of, of taking a risk of quitting one job to find one that's more fulfilling even if it takes a if it gives me a little bit less money at the start right yeah what, what's the purpose of all this yeah. and when you can have a purpose for it when you can have a driving factor that gives you hope for mm -hmm. for the reason i'm doing all this then you're going to be willing to put in that energy and so to your point a big part of this has to be why am i doing it yeah, that's where the with. coaching comes in. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of affirmations, as you told me you are. And um, if I feel like they have negative thoughts or, or a negative mindset around money, one of the first places I'll start is just affirmations. Mm -hmm. Because that's the baby step to the why. I mean, maybe the why, if we're in business and we've been around self-development people, the why, well, of course, you got to know your why. Mm -hmm. But the average person... They know in the back of their mind their why, but you can't start off and say, okay, we're going to create a why for it. Sure, like, exactly. But if it's like, okay, so if you have, if I see some things and like, how about we just create a couple little basic affirmations for you when it comes to money? Like, and just, that's just based on what they want. So what is one thing that bothers you about your money? Great. Debt. You know, and then we'll just create a positive affirmation related to that. Yeah. And I say, okay. You have a dry erase marker? No. Great. Go to Walmart. It's a buck. I'll, I'll afford that for you in your budget. Yeah. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Mm -hmm. But my wife is a neat freak. Yeah, that's why you do dry erase marker, because when family comes to visit, you can wipe it off with a piece of tissue. Yep. And I did that for years. Um, at last, at last, the past is the past. I have broken free from mediocrity, and now it's time to win for God, my family, and me. Mm -hmm. And I would put these affirmations on my bathroom mirror. And so sometimes it'll just be a basic, not the why, but it's like, can I start influencing them to speak positively yeah. about their money? Sure. You can't. Their thoughts. Yeah, you can't decide tomorrow I'm going to make more money, but you can decide how you think about it. Yeah. And that can be the very first step. Yeah. that a lot of people don't realize is one of the most powerful steps is just simply changing the perspective you have yeah. around money. Do you have money affirmations or around financial wellness? Do I? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Every time I see money, maker, bank, money, bank, or bills, I'm thankful for my wealthy life. And money is a tool that allows me to do good things and help the people I love. 
Those mm. are my two big ones. I love it. Yep. Mm. What was the mindset to the previous one, the first one you said? Uh, every time I see money, banker bills, I'm thankful for my wealthy life. Yeah. The idea there was um, I'd get to a point sometimes where I would, you know, I'd have a bill and I'd be like, oh, my God, another like, you know, th- it's never ending. It's always going to be around. And yeah. the answer to that is yes, because I'm always going to want electricity. I'm always going to want to have an AC right. into my house. Right. And so rather than fight that mentality of I'm always going to have to pay these bills, I wanted to change that that perspective and say, I'm, I, I have the capacity to have the money to pay my bills, which affords me the livelihood that I want. Right. Mm. And if, if, if I can't afford anything else, I can, and I can guarantee most people are like this. I would not give up electricity. Right. right? I would not give up the food that goes into my belly. I would Mm -hmm. not give up heat and air, air conditioning. Right. Those are some pretty in our world, right? Those are some pretty standard of living kind of things. And so if I want those, I have to recognize bills. Be grateful for them. Right. Exactly. So that's good. When was that? Did you have a coach tell you that? Did you go through a, did you read a book? What was it that you go like, oh wait, that's a totally, because that's a very unique way Mm -hmm. of being thankful. Like I've been doing this a long time. I've never coached anybody nor had anybody tell me I am super thankful for my electric bill. So sure. there's something that triggered in you that made you flip 180 and go, that's a different way to look at it. Was it, what was it that influenced that? Yeah. Uh, going back to that idea of, of there are no more original thoughts, right? I'd like to think mm-hmm. most of my thoughts I created on my own, but we're all just a bunch of experiences put together and you, you start to see how they can kind of align with other things. Right. So mm-hmm. I try very hard not to say it came from me because right. I know it really came from the people that, I love and I respect that mentored me from books that I've read and yada, yada. Um, but the general premise came from when I started to really practice gratitude, which mm. was the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's green where you water it, right? Which is from a song, not for me. <laughs> but if I can start to appreciate the things that I have now, I am going to be much more capable of not only being happier and satisfied with with where I'm at, Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to be at a place where I can grow because Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you have your psychological needs fulfilled and your physiological needs fulfilled, then you can start to self-actualize. You can start to become the best version of yourself. Well, if you're never grateful for the things that you have, then you're always going to be stuck wanting more needs, right? Wanting more needs, which is ironic, right? Um, But you're always going to be wanting the car or the house or the food or the whatever, all of those things. And you're never going to be able to self-actualize because you're always going to be chasing the lower level things that you think are important. Yeah. So I realized and recognized through my practices with gratitude and other aspects of well-being, I need to be grateful for the things that I have now. Once I do that, then I can start to focus on trying to get more if that's what I really want. Then the questions became why, why more? Well, why do I want more money? Because money is a tool that allows me to do good things and serve the people I love. So my financial dream, I don't know if I've shared this on this show, but my financial dream is to start an endowment that lives beyond me, that is hyper-focused on actual tools to improve well-being, all Mm. all dimensions of well-being, right? So not just let's start some gyms, not just let's, you know, let's do a couple classes on financial wellness, but like, anything that helps multiple aspects of your well-being at the same time preferably all of them which is hard to do in one service right sure um that's what that endowment would be because to me the ultimate 
pinnacle of financial wellness is having enough money that it makes its own money and you use it for good. That's, that's great. That's my dream of financial wellness. So that's amazing. That's why you're a coach though, because many people go their lives and don't have a big goal like that or have sure. those things figured out. Now, having that dream and then creating the dream is two different. Oh, right? absolutely. That's, Whether absolutely. Yeah. What, what's nice though is that. But that's amazing though, man. That's super inspiring. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah. yeah so the nice thing, so I follow a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, big in social media, entrepreneur, sure. or whatever. So his his dream, quote unquote dream, is buying the Jets. But if you really follow him, because that sounds really like forward facing, look at me, look at me, right? But if you really follow him, he, in fact, he does a video where he talks deeply about this. When he was young, he was poor. Most very highly driven and successful people did come from a lower income. Sure. Um, his mother, because he couldn't afford a jersey, his mother knitted him a sweater of Jets jersey. Right. And so his his real goal is his goal is to buy the Jets. Right. That's the four phase. But internally, his real goal is to take that sweater, which he still has, put it out in front in a trophy case. And on the bottom says to go from not being able to afford a jersey to buying the whole team. Wow. Right. And so and it's really awesome. And a a, uh, kind of a a respect towards his mother who built within him the mentality to be able to do that. I love that, man. That gets me so fired up. Right. And so, Um, but to that point, that higher aspiring goal of mine, whether I reach it or not is irrelevant because, well, it's relevant to me, but if I don't reach it, what have I done along the way? I've helped a lot of people. I've made enough money to -hmm. support my family. I probably have given money away at that point. Nothing bad is going to come from those step-by-step goals, right? That's a good point. So, Lucas, I think one of the things I've seen, I, I struggled with early on, is relationship with money mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what head trash do we have with the accumulation of money? Sure. Yeah. Well, you yeah. talked a little bit about it at the beginning, right? The more money you get, the more money you spend, then you're just in the same vicious cycle, right? Yeah. But so sometimes it slips through people's hands because they are even have a unrecognized fear of wealth accumulation or telling somebody that you have a money-related goal. That's mm-hmm. a big goal, yeah. right? Because it's kind of like, Ugh, how are people going to, you know? So I had, um, maybe for those of you that have any kind of negative relationship with money, uh, here's something I picked up that really helped me. It's from a, a, a business coach and a mentor of mine. His name is Dan Lacey. And we went to a, uh, a networking meeting. And they did an exercise during the meeting to you know, kind of provide some value. And you might have heard this, Lucas, but I had never heard of it at the time. It was called The Power of the Five Whys. Mm. Love that exercise. Never heard of it. Yeah. So I didn't know the person I was paired up with because you basically pair up, okay, you're Lucas, you're with Jim. You spend seven minutes on Jim and eight minutes on, then you basically trade back and do the exercise. Well, I didn't know. I was sitting with a, a business coach that had coached hundreds of businesses over the last 30 <laughs> years. He's like the Jedi yeah. of of business so he spent all of the time on me oh, of course and he We're said that, uh, yeah <laughs> but it has to do with money because he says what is the purpose of your business yeah. now 
I have a lot of answers in my holster for that. I've got a lot of elevator pitches. I mean, I got things that'll, I mean, you'd be like, oh, that guy oh, wow. is so, wow. <laughs> but I'm in a church and I'm talking to a dude that's been on earth longer than me. And I'm like, how? I can't, I can't give him. Yeah. I can't, it's like the spirit talked to me. I can't give him the BS, the cheesy answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could say that no. So yeah. I searched, you know, your brain operates quickly under pressure. I searched and I said, you know, if I'm being honest, the purpose of my business is to make money. Mm. That was a scary thing coming out of my mouth. I just said, you know, I've got this mission statement and I'm going to change the world. And I was like, if I'm breaking it down, I'm like, I mean, I can change the world in a lot of ways, but the purpose of my business is to make money. And he mm. said, oh, great. So why is that important? Mm. I'm like, well, you know, that's an easy one. I'm like, it's important because that helps take care of my family. Oh, well, why is that important? How dare you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because, uh, I don't know, God and trusted this family to me so i have a responsibility to take care of them why is that important uh because you know i want to be um man that's a tough one like i uh, uh wow um because i want god to think i did a good job Five deep, so why is that important? Yeah. Um, well, if God gave me this stuff and he trusts me, this is the way I look at it, with my kids and my wife and this business and the clients, I'm like, because I want to honor God. I mean, I want to make him proud of me. I want to honor him. And he said, ah, there's the purpose of your business. Mm. The purpose of your business is to honor God. Yeah. Now that changed everything, dude. Absolutely. My business started exploding from that point when mm-hmm. he broke that down. But it started with money, so it's like what you're saying is a lot of people have baggage associated. You know, you've heard the money is the root of all evil, and mm-hmm. and and I even had baggage associated with money, and maybe even my business making a certain amount of money because. I don't know, right? Just yeah. that weird thing of how other people will think. Or am I being greedy? Well, people really, it's not am I being greedy. Will people think I'm being greedy or have these lofty goals? I want to make as much money. No, my business. So at that point, like when you figured it out, I want to make as much as possible because if I honor God and I, and I give and I save and I help families along the way, I honor my family and honor God, then let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And that's when I took the governor off of our business and I actually started growing yeah. and I actually started like, man, just telling the truth to families and not caring about the outcome Sure. instead of a sales pitch or what I think they want me to say kind of thing. I just started teaching the truth and kind of getting to the things we're talking about. And people started being like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And they started responding and my business started growing Yeah. just from that moment forward. So I owe Dan Lacey. Thank you. If you're ever listening out here, Dan, but um, he's been a great friend and mentor to me. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that aligns a lot with one of the, the lessons I try to teach my entrepreneurship class very early on. Because when you ask them, what's the purpose of your business? Well, to make money, right? Well, when we talk about creating a business, we talk about differentiation. If you think that it's different for your business to want to make money than any other business, yeah. I'm sorry about you, but it's not, right? That's yeah. literally what every business has in common. So I tell people, and again, I did not get this. Uh, maybe from Simon Sinek is where I got it. But, um, you know. Business, money is to business what air is to a human. Mm. If I asked anybody anywhere, is your purpose on earth to breathe? The question, the answer would be no. So you don't live to breathe, but do you need to breathe to live? Yes. yes. So money is the, is the ability for your business to fulfill the purpose that it, it, it lives into. Yeah. But it's uncomfortable. You got about three wise deep before it got uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And it's uncomfortable to dive deeper into that. But yeah. once you do, and once that aha moment hits you, then money is again, the tool that allows me to do good things and help the people around me. Money yeah. for me is a tool to help other people improve their well being. And when, mm -hmm. when you no longer have that fear of asking for money because mm -hmm. if i ask a client to work with me what i'm asking for is hey would you invest in me so that i can use your money to go help other people become better versions of themselves right <laughs> i don't say it exactly like that but that's how i feel like if you pay me something am i going to buy food with it anyway right exactly will i buy food with some of that money sure because i have to live right but am i going to use a majority of that money to to serve that higher purpose and Yes, I absolutely mm. am. And That's so good. that allows you, like you said, I love the, your analogy, allows me to take the governor off, right? I no mm. longer fear asking for questions, asking yeah. questions like how much is that worth to you? Mm -hmm. What value would you place on something like that? Um, how much are you willing to pay for those problems to become less of a problem for you? Right. And so that's that's a huge aspect. Yeah. So, so when you think of, of helping other people fulfill their financial dreams, right? What are some of the, and, and you need to measure it because we talked about that, like yeah. where we are to where we want to be. Let's break it down into what I like to call infinitesimal goals, right? Like mm -hmm. so setting a positive affirmation, beautiful, yeah. small goal. Let's win that. Let's move on. What are some of those attributes that you want to measure with your clients to let you and let them more importantly know mm -hmm. we're, we're progressing? <clears throat> well, um, I use... I like to talk in pictures. So 70% of people are visual. Yep. And graphs and charts and the software that we use is awesome. Yeah. And it does do the debt freedom date. Sure. And the financial independence number and all these different things. But I use a napkin presentation just called the financial ladder. And that's a, it's a specific measurable way Mm -hmm. But it's done in such a simple way that the average person can relate to it and feel like it's sure. not intimidating. And so I just say, hey, you know, I'm not an engineer degree from Purdue, but I look at old cave dwellings that have like the ladders, the trees tied together with vines. And then I look at Home Depot and I'm like, there really hasn't been any significant improvement to the ladder in like 5,000 years, <laughs> other than they're made of metal and some of a bend now sure, and exactly. can hold a paint pail or something. But yeah. for the most part, it's yeah. pretty basic. So I say, you know, if Jim and Lucas, we, we're going to race and it's going to be, I mean, the first person to get up the house on the ladder 
is going to win, I mean, a huge trophy, and you and I are competitive, right? And uh, we lean two ladders against the house, and Lucas is like, okay, he's ready to go race up the ladder. And I say, you know what? I think I'm just a little, I'm going to outsmart Lucas here, and I'm going to go back about 30 to 40 feet, and I'm going to get a running start. I'm going to jump on, like, the fourth rung of the ladder, and I'm going to beat this dude up the ladder. I just asked, like, how do you think that's going to work out? Hmm. And everybody's like, no, that'll be a disaster. Because <laughs> have you ever, like, that's, it's, people, it's funny. Like, yeah. it's a cartoon in their yeah. mind, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. of Wile E. Coyote trying to beat the Roadrunner or whatever. Like, that doesn't work. No, because you don't, you can't outsmart a ladder. Just yeah. one yeah. rung at a time, and eventually you'll get to the top of the deal, and you won't look like a fool. And I said, the financial ladder works the same way. We all want the quick way up the deal, but I mean, if Warren Buffett hasn't figured it out, he you know created most of his wealth after the age of fifty, mm-hmm. right? So if he hasn't figured it out, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. So yeah. we're just going to use the ladder, and we just talk about you know I think Dave Ramsey calls them the baby steps. I just call it the financial ladder. The first rung of the ladder is you know protection and a will. Yeah. The average family doesn't have a will. Mm-hmm. The average family, six out of 10 families have no life insurance outside of work. And the 40% that do, about 85% of them are being taken advantage of. Mm. So first wrong, because like if you're living check to check, then something happens to your check Correct. and you're no longer here. It was bad. It's going to get way worse for your family. That's not what you want for the family. We've already established that. Yeah, exactly. And then it's emergency fund number one. Mm-hmm. It's. A debt elimination, emergency fund number two, retirement, and all the sexy things. But I say, hey, like the first four rungs of the ladder, that's not sexy. No. Everybody wants Foundations. to talk about yeah. investing money in the market and IRAs, and I got a Roth IRA and got a 579 for my kid, you know, 529, mm-hmm. right? But And then retirement and where we're going. But when you build your dream home, Okay. Lucas, I mean, he, he makes it in business and he builds this unbelievable castle on a hill in Lafayette and he does a home warming party uh-huh. and he comes over. I mean, he's going to take us to the, like you call this, call it master bathroom. Now it's called an ensuite. It's an ensuite. I'm sure it is. He's going to take us to the, it's got, I mean, it's, it's got a walk-in shower that sprays you from all the things and it's got gold <laughs> fiction this is unbelievable he's going to take you to his man cave oh, he's yeah. got a bumper pool table because his uncle had one when he was a little kid and it brings back these memories he's not going to take you to like the utility room and say man dude you got to look at this foundation bro mm-hmm. i mean i actually had engineers from purdue come and this will withstand an f5 tornado i mean the foundation man we invested an extra 10 grand in the foundation to make sure this would be here for our kids' kids. Yeah. No, no, never, never. No. Same thing with personal finances. <laughs> like, yeah. this is the yucky stuff. We call it defensive. So to win a game, you would have diff defense and offense. So mm-hmm. the first four rungs, the emergency funds and the protection and all that stuff, the plan to get out of debt is all defense. I love it. And that's the ugly stuff that nobody likes to talk about. It's not, it, does anybody, including you and I, like to save money that we don't spend? Yeah. I mean, go throw up. Like you yeah. might have created a, <laughs> you might have created a 
interaction with your brain that says, yes, this is going to provide security. But really, it's your, like you say, the monkey brain part is like, no, no. let's go. Yeah, I want exactly. to buy some stuff. Correct. I mean, I got a guitar saved on my phone right now. I'm ready. It's ready to go. <laughs> okay, I've got, and we got the, I got the link lined up and everything. Yep. Uh, I just can't press the button because then the $1,300 bill that would come, my wife would be like, dude, right? <laughs> so none of us like to save money that we can't spend and none of us want to think about oh lord paying a quote-unquote bill for something that may never happen but if it does happen my family will it's mm -hmm. a little too avant-garde right but those are the things that successful people do they build the, and you know if you talk about scripture or you just talk about the average person if your foundation sucks and you build this unbelievable home what's going to happen and everybody says the same thing you don't have to educate them on they're like the home would crumble crumble yeah it's the same thing so measurable basic steps there are like seven rungs to get to the top and i just draw at the top debt free and financial independent yeah you know if these are the steps required and these are measurable so and i just go back and say okay lucas where are you at with this how who handles your protection outside of work mm -hmm. if six out of ten people are like uh nobody yeah if they have it and they have the proper kind of protection and they're properly protected not being overcharged high five great awesome let's go and then where are you at with your so we'll just I'll, I'll have them I'll give them the pen we'll draw out the ladder and I'll say I want you to circle the ones that are most concerning that kind of keep you up at night yeah and it's about them, not about me. I mean, there's, yeah, there's measurable steps to go to, but I want to see where their heart is at, where their mind is at. They might go, I've had people like, mm -hmm. they circle the whole entire ladder. Sure. Um, and then we'll just kind of start from there. So that's a measure. The financial ladder is just a really, really simplified version that the average per, I, I say, hey, Lucas, if I leave earth and you're just leaning into me so much that you're counting on me to get you you're counting on another grown man to get your family to financial independence. Yeah. Does that make any sense to you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll do the heavy lifting. You don't have to learn everything that I've learned, but for the most part, I want to, I want to empower you that if I ever leave her, I could be on the way home from Lafayette today. Sure. Right. God forbid. Yeah. You can't count on me. I want to empower you. I'm going to give you some tools that if I leave earth, you can go, okay, what did, what did the, basic instructions Jim left behind that we can I'm like if you forget the software you're like you never could find anybody from my company again you don't have your yeah. if you literally just follow this ladder you will be free one day yeah right and so those are some measurable steps that we can help families just kind of check off or they just have a circle like yeah we need to work on that a little bit sure and those are the things that it's not a you know I don't put it on a spreadsheet. I put it on a picture mm -hmm. and I leave that picture behind. Yeah. And then I refer to it like, great. That's awesome. What do we need to do next, Jim? What's next? You know, yep. they're ready for, okay, oh, coach, yeah. what's next? I'm like, I don't know. Where are we at on the ladder? Correct. That's oh, awesome. oh, yeah, yeah, the ladder. Yeah, that. That's awesome. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. So we have about three minutes to get three questions out. Okay. So I want to do that real quick, okay? First, we got to talk about the 72 because we promised the people. The yeah. rule is 72. So hit us mm -hmm. with that high level. What's that? What is, what's that all about? The, that's why I'm in business. And that's what brought me here because that rule uh, that I learned was the thing that made me quit a $70,000 a year job to go into business because mm -hmm. I had gone through 
my military time, my parents. I had a mentor in business that was making six figures when I was going up the corporate ladder. I had graduated from this awesome university and nobody ever taught me the, finance, uh, the rule of 72. Sure. So it's a basic principle you can find it anywhere on the internet. You take your interest rate, divide it into the constant number 72, and that'll approximate how many years it'll take your money to double. Mm. So how do you find out? So the average savings rate in America for the last 40, 50 years has been about 3%. So right now it's like less than 1% mm -hmm. in a savings account, right? But in the 1980s, it was double digits. So if it averages, let's say, 3% over our lifetimes, you just take 72 divided by 3, and that's 24. Well, the average inflation rate, well, I was talking about Starbucks earlier, the average inflation rate over the last 40 years has been about 3%. So if you take 72 divided by 3 is 24. That means everything will double. If you had an investment that was getting 3%, everything would double every 24 years. Well, you don't have very many doubling periods if you're only getting 3%. But we can use that to find out how much Nikes are going to be in the future. Mm. This is how I capture kids' attention. If you mention Nikes, boom, mm -hmm. right? Or the Starbucks thing. I said, okay, so let's say it's 24 years till you guys retire when you're 65 or whatever. And I say, so if right now it's 6 bucks plus 6 bucks plus you get a couple scones, what are those, 5 bucks? Mm -hmm. So that's 10, that's 22 bucks tax let's just call it 25 bucks sure i go the day that you go for your first date at starbucks on your day of retirement that same is going to be 50 bucks for mm -hmm. a cup of coffee and a scone yeah I'm like what yeah yeah i go well how much were movies when you were a kid mm -hmm. oh yeah you're right mm -hmm. so we got to prepare for that so that's sure. the rule of 72 okay we use that i use that really just the, the educational process to help people understand that even though they might be getting a guarantee at the bank, that guarantee is a 100% guarantee that they're going to be in poverty. Yeah. At least on, even in their emergency fund, they got to be getting two, three, four percent in a money market versus getting 0.01% at the large institution, right? So we use that rule to reinforce the, the goals that we help set families and understand there's actually a mathematical principle that's getting them to the goal, not, not me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, wrapping up, I'm starting a new thing here just to give people a little bit more tangible stuff. So two mm -hmm. things, one's for the thinkers, one for the doers, the thinkers book. What would be yeah. a good book you would recommend? Yeah, I, I, I think the millionaire next door, I wrote three books, but we're limited on time. The millionaire next door, okay. which is basically breaks down that most of the wealthy people in this country didn't start with wealth. They started from scratch mm -hmm. and that's how millionaires mindset is totally different than what you would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so there's the thinkers, the doers. What's the habit? What's one habit that people can start today, a week, daily habit, weekly habit, that they can start to improve their financial wellness? And that can carry them on for a while. Yeah, I think just thinking daily about wants and needs. Mm. And, and I even my wife and I, even though we're in the business, by the way, I, I handle clients, finances, and the big conversation like, I barely know the password to our bank. Like my wife <laughs> pays the bills. She handles all of our personal finances. Um, and so even every six months we do the debit card challenge because okay. we have two teenagers and they're in travel, baseball and eating out is a thing. And so we'll, we'll look back and it's like every six months we do the debit card challenge nice. and we'll find like last month, I mean, we didn't do this lot, but I mean, we'll find a month where we spend six, seven, eight hundred $800 on eating out. We're like, I'm pretty sure we could be yeah. 
doing something differently with that money. That's awesome. So what would they do daily or weekly to lead them up to something like the debit card challenge? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the big things is uh, if you can limit your debit card usage. Yeah. So you pull out, we did this for years when we were building our business and we were on a tight, tight budget. My wife would, because I had to do coffees and networking and she's like, yeah, yeah, great. Okay, but Starbucks, unacceptable. You need to be going to Panera for two bucks for unlimited coffee, right? So it's just making conscious choices. And so she gave me like, I think it was like at that time, like 30 bucks a week for my lunches. Because I mean, I'd go and, you know, when meet you some lunch and then it's like, oh, well, he came down from Lafayette. Next thing you know, I'm spending 50, 60 bucks on a lunch. (laughs) And she's like, well, what did you get from it? Oh, no, no, we were just connecting because... Yep. A guy named Adam connects. Yep. He's like, what? And you bought his lunch? I'm like, I don't know. I asked him. So I was you know, spending money we didn't have. So I think if you just go, just go for, just go for one month. Okay. Cause you might think I can't just go for one month. Give yourself a budget. There's 50 bucks a week to buy lunches or whatever, man, there is a pain associated with handing another human being mm-hmm. your physical money <laughs> that your brain will be like, Ugh. yep. I thought it was going to be like six bucks and it was nine bucks. Oh crap. We have $41 left and your brain, you don't have to worry about the pain. Your brain would automatically go, (laughs) Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Next time we need to go and do the value menu. Like you ain't got time for this Applebee's, you know, and your brain will, your brain likes that. Your brain wants you to tell it what to do. (laughs) Right. But it defaults to whatever it feels like doing if we don't tell it what to do. Yeah. And it's kind of like your kids, right? Yeah. They don't like to hear that. But, you know, if you know there's a certain amount of discipline that will get them to the goal, I, I would just challenge you to go for one month and just use cash. Yeah. That's a great starting point. Yep. And see what it does to your mindset. See what it does and how much less you spent than maybe a week the month before. And then what you do is you go to... Um, meetwithjim.today, www.meetwithjim.today. And you just send me a message and say, the eagle has landed. I love it. And and if there's a nugget that you receive from it, if you're like, I don't like you very much, Jim, that was terrible. Or like, dude, that was awesome, whatever. Then just just send me an email. All my contact information is on there, but uh, just, just put your name on there or whatever so I know who it's coming from. But just do that. I challenge everybody to do that. And that's a really good baby step to just yeah. kind of start creating a new habit and a new mindset. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Jim Batu, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate everything you do to make this world a better place. Thank you, place. Lucas, man. You inspire me. Boiler up, hammer down. There it is.